This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Ola Banji. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, I'm Brian. And hi, I'm Liki. And today we have a guest for our conversation. Actually, it's a guest I've wanted to have on this podcast for a long, long, long time because um, this is actually uh, something I wanted for myself because um, as I've been learning about climate change, and I've become quite, I shouldn't be depressed, but a little bit anxious about the future. And, um, and I think it's very easy to get trapped. It's very tempting to get trapped into the cycle of anxiety. And especially it has been, uh, it has increased since I've been working on the Carbon Almanac because uh, the more you learn about the subject, um, even though the message, the main message in the, and the subtitle of the Carbon Almanac is it's not too late, but still, you know, it's very difficult to ignore the messages that you get from the outside world. So, and I think it has worked on somehow on my mental health and I've been really actively looking for answers for positive answers, because deep down, I'm a very optimistic person. So I didn't want to accept the fact that there's only one way of thinking that the, that the future is, uh, is doom and gloom. And I was really actively looking for a positive answer. So I've been you know, researching on different, on Google, trying to find people that propose something that is a kind of utopia. And one day, really one day, I found this very beautiful images of, um, of this, I don't know um, if you ever seen it, but this very beautiful um, like garden in Singapore, which is called Gardens by the Bay, which is um, like very, very big trees. Uh, it's green, it's lush, it's, it's very positive. And um, I read that the architect, the guy who made this, is a solar punk. And I thought, wow, oh, great. Maybe I am the solar punk. I got very interested in this movement and solarpunk, from my understanding, and uh, our guests will tell us if I'm right or if I misunderstood the movement of solarpunk, which is solarpunk is an artistic movement that envisions a future in which technologies are deployed for the greater good of people and planet. So I've been fascinated by this and uh, I've been looking to talk to someone and I've been looking for someone who is living a solarpunk life. And here I find Joe, Joe Hines. And I was telling him that I found him on the Facebook group. And um, because Joe has a YouTube channel that is called Solarpunk Life. So welcome, Joe. Well, thank you for that introduction. Yeah, my name is Joe Hines. I live in the United States in the state of Virginia. And I am a solar punk. I've, I've been trying to live a more solar punk life actively for the past three years, maybe a little bit longer, but uh, solar punk was also something that found me, right? Like I, I was 
living my normal life, trying to do good things. And then I finally had a friend that shared a meme with me. And that meme included uh, talking about the difference between what a prepper was and what a solar punk was. And I really realized that I was much more of a solar punk. And, uh, and so we find a lot of times I've been trying with my YouTube channel to spread the word of what solar punk is and kind of evangelize a little bit. And we find that a lot of people have the same reaction that they will see what a solar punk is. They sit here to find and they go, oh, well, I already do a lot of that stuff. Maybe I'm a solar punk. And uh, we, so we get that reaction a lot. So, you know, welcome to the movement is what I like to say. And uh, you're not wrong. We're all about trying to spread a positive message that things are, things can be okay. And that if we all get together and work towards things that we can all together make uh, positive changes for the future. Um, there's a quote out there somewhere that says, everybody likes to think about tra time travel and going back in time to make some small change and how it affects the future that we're living in now. Very few people think about being able to make a small change now and how it will affect the future 20 years from now. And yet it's the same power. Right? We don't need a time machine. We can make changes now. Joe, that's that's really exciting. I, I I feel like there's a chance you're about to have a few more people formally join your movement uh, during today's recording session, and maybe even more as our listeners listen, because I, I feel like the vibes you're giving fit in well with uh, with what we've been doing with the Carbon Almanac community and sort of like trying to make change for for that 20 years and the 200 years and the two years, you know, all the different uh, time horizons. Absolutely, but. But we believe in the the part. It's not too late, um, you know. So let's go make some change happen. Um, you know, my first question for you is: Can you give us a little bit more, like, what define solar punk life for us? And some of the main for our listeners today, like, what are the things that, like, if you weren't doing solar punk, life would be a little bit differently? Like, give a little bit of context of what what's different because you've got this lens on through which you look at your daily. And I think you hit on the key phrase right there is the, the lens, right? Because it's not necessarily about what you do. It's more so about how you think about approaching the world, how you think about approaching your community. And that impacts the decisions that you make in, in small and big ways. So small ways, small things that we do to try to live a more solar punk life is we look at how much waste do we generate in our normal uh, daily lives and how can we minimize that waste? Do we need to buy that thing? Maybe not. Can we prioritize buying things that don't come with as much plastic packaging? Yes, we probably can. Um, my wife and I, you know, we live in a, a single family home. We have our daughters 14 years old. Um, we live in suburbia, right? So we kind of live the average or probably slightly above average North American lifestyle. And that means that we're in the top probably 5% consumers in the world, right? When you look at, at uh, waste and energy consumption and whatnot, just because of the nature of where we are and the lifestyle that we live, we've kind of inherited a lot of choices from being in this part of America, right? That you have to have a car to get around. You have to, you know, go to the grocery store most of the time to get your food and that food comes packaged in certain ways. And so trying to make choices that help minimize that um, buying local food, 
when you do when we do our laundry, we get our laundry detergent from uh, these these um, concentrated laundry detergent strips. So we skip the plastic bottles, right? We don't use um, uh, what is it uh, fabric softener? We have uh, wool dryer balls because that cuts down on on buying things in waste and makes for reusable. Um, those kinds of small decisions can make a big impact. And it's not because I feel like that my family making those choices will save the world, but if everybody's family makes those choices, then we'll definitely make an impact. Um, you can uh, affect how the economy runs by the choices you make with your wallet. Interesting that you say some of these things. I, I have uh, young kids myself. Uh, one of mine is right around the same age as yours, just turned 13. And we were just grocery store shopping together recently and making some decisions around both what we were buying, right? The local this, the in-season that versus the not in-season and flown from Philly up here. Um, and then making some decisions around like, well, okay, do we need to actually put this? And we had a very interesting discussion around like, my kids were like, no, 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 we need to put it in this plastic bag to go check out. And I was like, no, we don't. We're going to, you know, like, no, we don't. We don't need one more little thing. And and then the other part, and, and by the way, I'll do a quick shout out here. Um, our last podcast guest, Seth Godin, just did a post recently for uh, one of these companies that does the non uh, laundry detergent, detergent bottles, but instead the little sort of, uh, you know, they're like tabs of paper, almost like very compressed soap stuff. And I just signed up for uh, and, and, and ordered some directly from the company myself. And I'm excited to use them um, and see how they go. But sounds great. So so I like this lens prospect, right? And I think a question I've got around as I as I did a little bit of Googling about solar pung and, and whatnot, you know, some of it seems like there's some of this uh, perspective of like, we can make our life perfect, right? Like this sort of futuristic, like life could be perfect, but it feels like you're in this nice Goldilocks zone of applying this idea of we don't have to aim for perfection to still make change happen. And can you talk a little bit about how you think about and that and like, where, how far do you push the envelope in your own decision-making and versus not versus, you know, yeah. like, is it, a, is it an all or nothing gambit or how do you get comfortable with the middle zone? Yeah, I, I have a quote that I like to bring out periodically. I'm not sure who to attribute it to, but it's uh, never let perfect become the enemy of good enough. Um, and, you know, in my day to day career, I'm a software engineer. If you spend all of your time trying to build the absolutely perfect solution for things, you waste a lot of time and you never get to deploy that solution. Um, and so for us, um, we recognize that there are changes that we won't necessarily be able to make. We're not going to be able to become a one car family or ride bikes everywhere because the environment that we're in living in suburbia <clears throat> is not conducive to those decisions. So we have to be able to accept the decisions that we are not able to make a change on. And we have to work towards putting ourselves in a position where we could make those changes if we want to. I'm very excited that you were talking about uh, laundry and stuff, because I did a video all about those laundry strips and dryer balls. And, you know, it's very, and, and they've even got strips now that you can put into uh, a, a, a spray bottle full of water and shake it up and you have cleaner. 
So there's, there's, um, yeah, there's a local company here in Vancouver that that's doing that too. So it's exciting. Um, I am interested in what you said about prepper versus solar punk <laughs> at the beginning. And I just want to know, um, uh, are there similarities? You didn't want to call yourself that, you know, what, what, what's up with that? Yeah. So part of my journey to get into solar punk was I was looking at things like the everyday carry movement where you try to have tools with you all the time. You know, my background, I was in Boy Scouts and I'm, I'm an Eagle Scout. And so I like to know things. I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, right? <clears throat> I like to carry a pocket knife with me and be able to know enough about a lot of things to be able to be useful in a lot of situations. And I had a friend of mine who was also going through um, training for search and rescue and uh, EMT and that kind of stuff. And so he and I were discussing things and I was thinking about, well, what can I add to my everyday carry bag? What can I carry with me to be more useful in more situations? And that naturally drives you towards what, you know, the prepper community where people want to be prepared. They want to be able to stockpile food. And unfortunately, there's also a large contingent of that community, which is heavily focused on guns and ammunition and building bunkers and having bug out plans and stuff like that. And that mentality tends to get kind of toxic, right? It goes into uh, toxic individualism where you're like, well, me and my family, we're going to go hole up in, in, a, in a cabin in the woods. And we have enough food to last six months. Anybody that comes along, we're going to shoot them and we're going to protect our stuff, right? Uh, and there was this meme that was shared with me, which was uh, somebody talking about the same mentality. And they said, you know, my husband and I used to think that we were preppers, but it turns out that we're just really well-prepared solar punks. And this was kind of my first introduction to the concept of solar punk. And what it comes down to is that Solar punks value community and connection and helping people and preppers seem to value uh, being prepared to, to defend themselves. And there, there is a crossover. There's a lot of gray area. I'm not going to say that all preppers are bad or anything like that. Um, but you need some of each. You need people that can be prepared for disaster scenarios that can go in and do that emergency uh, protection, you know, of, of, from the elements and, and, and build shelters and stuff like that. But you also need people that can go out and plant the garden, that can go out and negotiate um, different groups uh, working together and do that diplomacy side of things. And I think solar punks tend to be more that direction. And you need both sets of skills, really, if you will. But back to that idea of what is the lens, the lens of the solar punk is more about building community, helping people out, making sure that everybody can get through because we, we're all in this together. There's, there's no planet B, right? Um, yeah. We've all got to be able to get through what's, what's coming. And, you know, with the recent news that we were hearing about, uh, what is it, the two centigrade uh, temperature rise, it's kind of unavoidable. Like, we're going to have a lot of stuff coming weather-wise that we're going to have to all get through and it's going to be much easier if we do it together thank you yeah we've got major floods happening right now in our province and cities being evacuated and it's pretty awful right now yeah thanks joe for 
for the beautiful response. So I have two questions, right? And I'm asking these questions for the benefit of our listeners, right? And so we've been talking about, you know, be, becoming a solo punk and particularly for people that might want to grid this with caution, like, hey, 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 hold on. What, what are you guys talking about? You want to more like indoctrinate me into something or like, give me a break. This is a whole lot, you know. Um, but yeah, it's like perhaps a bit about your personal journey would be helpful, right? Like what were the triggers that you experienced that made you think that, well, this is the life that I should be living and perhaps I should get other people to start, you know, you know, sharing the community, like you said. Um, so yeah, would you like to talk about that? Sure. Sure. And, and I, I totally get what you're saying about it. It can look like it's a radical agenda or it can look like there's indoctrination or, or something like that going on. And, you know, uh, you might throw out the word evangelism or something like that. My journey was realizing that I was living a life with a lot of privileges. I'm a white man in America. I live in the suburbs. I have a good paying job. If I don't do something with that to help other people who are less fortunate, who don't have as many privileges as I've had, then what the heck is the point, right? And so the thing that I had at my disposal, especially since the creation of our YouTube channel happened right at the beginning of the pandemic, the thing I had at my disposal was the ability to buy some video cameras and to spend my time recording messages and putting them out on the internet for people to, to consume, to try to spread the acknowledgement that there are other ways of looking at the world, right? Solarpunk, one of the things with Solarpunk is that, let's see, how, how is it best phrased? It's easier for us to imagine the fall of civilization than the fall of capitalism. Um, there mm. is uh, a whole lot of media out there, um, cyberpunk, post-apocalyptic, right? Doomer mentality. You, you see these movies where we have people that are surviving some natural disaster by sheer, sheer will and uh, uh, good luck and, and whatnot. And that mentality of putting that on screen and having that be the inspiration for people's lives is unrealistic, unsustainable, right? Whereas what solar punks would like to see is more media or books, uh, movies, television shows that have a positive outlook on life. Uh, one of the, uh, you know, there's a lot of phrases when you, you come up with when you're trying to convince people about things. And one of the ones I like to, to remember is when I was taught how to ski, the skiing instructor said, don't look at the trees. If you look at the trees, that's where you end up. You want to look between the trees, right? You want to imagine where we can be, because if we can't imagine a better future, how are we ever going to build it? Um, and so there's, you know, solar punk isn't, uh, it is a very new concept. Uh, I think the term was actually coined in 2008 in a blog post about the beluga um, sky ship. There's a, a ship that's pulled by a kite, basically. And there was a blog post about that. And the, the, the 
international shipping you know vessel that this was and, and fixed a uh, sky sail and was able to save 20 percent of its fuel oil um, for its transit and somebody wrote a blog post about it saying hey i pose a new genre of literature called solar pop uh, so the term itself is very relatively speaking new and uh, i think i've lost the thread a little bit here but uh <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and turn it back over and see if I answered your question or, or, or not. Absolutely. I think you did great. Um, thanks for, for saying that, particularly about the media. It's like, well, we want to, we want to fill people's hearts with hope and let them know that there's a chance for a world without disasters and a world where we can all just thrive and not be scared about what, what's going to happen next. And that's, that's beautiful. You know, especially because there's a lot of media that's heavily funded to push like a lot of all these other narratives. But this is beautiful. Thank you so much. Beautiful answer, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could just follow up on that, there's a book that I reviewed for the YouTube channel called Humankind, A Hopeful History, which mm -hmm. is written to highlight um, the way that humans are versus the way that humans are presented in the news. And it goes into a lot of discussions about how, uh, you know, an automobile accident happens. And for example, the automobile goes into a canal. People will immediately jump into that canal and go and pull people out of the river, pull pe people they don't know. They'll jump in and risk their lives and injury to save people because people are inherently good. But what you see on the news is all of the people who are very, very bad. And that colors our perspective of the world. And yes, we're not saying that there aren't bad people out there. What we're saying is that the good people that are out there outnumber them dramatically. Yeah. And if we can all get that mindset together, we'll be a little bit less afraid. We'll be able to talk to our neighbors a little bit more. And, you know, we'll be able to build a better world. And, and we can go on and on and on about this. I saw a video where an ambulance was carrying um, a patient inside it. and It had very limited time to get to the hospital and they might be losing the patient. And so they were hitting the horn and there was, there was a lot of traffic in front. And people started moving their cars sideways to get the ambulance to pass. And it was such a heartfelt, it was so beautiful to see that a ton of people would just drive a little, just a few inches to the right and to the left, and they, they were creating space for for the ambulance to pass. And yeah, well, maybe the bad people want us to think that they outnumber us, but well, yeah, they're actually a lot of good people, and that's beautiful. And and that leads to my second question, um, Joe. You know, in, in your journey as a solar punk, what are some of the things that you've seen that has filled you with so much hope and made you feel like, well, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Um, or some of the things that have really been encouraging to you, maybe an act or something someone did or a company or a startup or whatever. What what did you see or have you learned that made you feel like, well, yeah, this is this is the best thing to do? Uh, that's, that's a tough question. Um, one of the things that I started doing after I got into solar punk uh, with with my wife and, and with my co-host on the channel, Jason, is we started building bags 
of supplies that we could keep in our cars so that we can give to people who are unhoused, right? Give to homeless people that we see on this, on the road, because I was driving home from work and I would see people continuously standing in the median and I, I never had anything for them. So I was thinking about what could I every day carry for myself? And I thought, well, what if I could give somebody else that security as well? And so we started building these and we, you know, put in things that you wouldn't think of, uh, shoelaces, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, right? And the bag itself ended up costing us, I don't know, 15 to $30, depending on how you did the math and what we put on in it. Um, and then I just kept them in my car. And when I was driving, I would see somebody and I would open the door and I would hand them this bag. And this one guy was uh-huh. standing, in the, standing in the rain wearing a trash bag. And the, the light had turned red, so I had a time to talk to him. I handed him the bag, and he, he just started crying uh, because somebody had taken the time to think about making his life a little bit better. Um, and again, this is the height of the pandemic. A lot of people had lost their jobs, right? Um, people frequently will look at, at least in America, they'll look at homeless people, and they'll think it was a moral choice, that these people chose to be this way, Right. Most people, I think like 60% of the people in America are living paycheck to paycheck. Hmm. If you lose your job in America, you lose your health care, you lose your money, your chances are you lose your house, at least for a period of time. And if that bag helped that person get through one day, like, that's great. And, and just seeing his reaction and, and then being able to, and at first I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. I just like, this is something I just need to do for myself. I'm not trying to make hay off of this. I'm not trying to, to pat myself on the back and say like, Hey, you know, you've earned the brownie points or whatever. So I was, I was very hesitant to tell anybody about doing this. Um, that video that I made about that is our most watched video on YouTube right now. It's been watched like 300 hours. Um, and we've had a number of people write in and say, thank you for, sharing that you did this because now I'm going to go do this too. And uh, I didn't realize that I can make this kind of an impact. Right. So there's, you know, at least a dozen people out there in the world who've been directly impacted by the videos we made because somebody made a bag and took it to them and helped them through one night. And I think that's, you know, may not be measurably a very large thing, but I think that is one thing that keeps me going. I think that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Uh, you know, someone was asking on a podcast, and I think um, Seth alluded to this in his chat with um, Simon Sinek, and they were talking about kindness. Um, and what I learned from that is like, well, kindness, you know, people might be like, what do I get for being kind? But in most cases, kindness is its own reward, right? Like act is the reward for you being kind in in many cases and thank you so much for for doing that i think that's a beautiful thing and i'm gonna go watch the video as well um and share it and i'll just say that there are people that will tell you that just because kindness is its own reward that that means it's not altruistic right that that because it has inherent goodness means that you're getting something out of it which means you're not doing it altruistically like and i tell those people that you know, they can go take their ideology and run somewhere else with it because, you know, you know, yeah, I'm not getting monetarily rewarded for being kind to people. Right. And I am getting some joy out of it, 
But ultimately yeah. that comes from helping people. And if you don't feel good about helping people or you don't feel good about other people helping people, then you need to readjust yeah. your priorities. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Um, thank you. Joe, this is awesome. I, I love hearing this. My, my brother came and lived in New York City with me for a number of years. And he, he's, I think he and I both grew up in that same kind of uh, space you're in, sort of the, the Boy Scouts, be prepared, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things he did while living in New York that I adopted myself was always having granola bars in his bag. So that, you know, his panhandler the bathroom or something, he'd, you know, he would just always have the go-to. And, uh, I, I, but I even more love the idea of the sort of like even more well packaged thing, like in your, in your briefcase, you can only carry granola bars on a but in my car, I could have a whole, I could step out and be like, here you go for my trunk. I yeah. love that. I'm, uh, you, you just got one more convert. Well done. Yeah. Well, um, the other thing about it too, that we used to talk about in the video and it, is that it, it also serves as a backup for yourself. If you get a, if your car breaks down, you've got a granola bar now that you can wait out for the tow truck, right? Yeah. Well, I, right. I've gotten that bag, but I, I, I like the idea of having a bag in that bag. I've also got things right. that I don't know that I want to hand that person out. Right. Um, the, the question I want to ask next is like, how, how does one, how do our listeners, how do I, I'm, I'm excited. Like, where do I go to learn more about this and start having conversations about this in my community. I'm, I probably fall into that category of like, I've always, I grew up on a ranch. I like being prepared. I'm a boy scout leader now and, and having, and being ready. You know, I, I hearken back to there. I've got some, some of my extended family is in the Mormon faith. Part of the edict within the faith is to be very well prepared and to have food and, and things. And it is from a community. And I think we would all be, better served, the more prepared everyone is, should there be a natural disaster, should there be, you know, any kind of thing, right? Whether that's flooding or fire or famine, whatever it is, we're all better served if we have resources that we've stocked up during the times when everything was working to turn and share with those around us. So give us, give me and our listeners here, like some tips on like, where do I go next? Like what's, where do I go learn more about this? Like, I know you've got a great website and YouTube channel. What are some of the beyond going there and which we'll put in the show notes for everyone. Please go click those links and, and follow Joe on YouTube and check out his website. Yeah. There's, Where else do we go? What's next? There's a couple of other good YouTube channels uh, that I'd like to highlight. There's the solar punk scene, which a friend of mine, Lindsay Jane uh, runs and, and she started her channel about the same time we started ours. And uh, one thing that is kind of a funny interaction is, you know, you would think that we might be competing for, uh, eyeballs on YouTube, but we, we became very symbiotic and, and propped each other up and whatnot. There is a Facebook group called solar punk, uh, which has about 16,000 members right now. And, uh, I'm one of the admins of that group. Lindsay is also one of the admins of that group. So we try to keep that one fairly well moderated, uh, make sure that the posts that are made there are on topic and are, uh, you know, of, of the right positive message. And we make sure that the discussions are, are fair and, and respectful. Uh, I would have to say it's probably one of the better run large Facebook groups um, that there is. <clears throat> I would also uh, like to shout out to the YouTube channel called uh, Andrewism. Um, he's, uh, 
I, I, I don't know him personally, but he's, I think, from the Caribbean uh, somewhere. And he's got a lot of uh, different perspectives that are, are very, very, very valuable uh, since he comes from a different part of the world and has different points of view. Um, his channel is much more uh, anti-capitalist and, um, you know, child positive and, and whatnot. And so I would suggest, you know, those sources. But I would also suggest looking into things like buy nothing groups. Um, I'm a member of my buy nothing group in my area. And uh, a buy nothing group is where you can trade things. You can offer things up for free that you no longer need. And you can ask for things that you might want that you want to avoid buying. And so it's a community. It's a very small community trading network. Um, and we've had a lot of good success in our area with things. Um, and so that's a, a group that doesn't know it's solar punk, but, but kind of is, um, because it's, you know, it's not even a barter economy. It's not, I'll trade you this for, for that it's here. You can have this as a gift. Um, and everything in there, I have seen everything traded from, uh, you know, uh, furniture to cardboard boxes, um, that are, you know, to food that's coming up on expiration or that their kids no longer like to eat. Right. And there've also been group groups within that group that have organized things like food drives for making sure that people get, you know, fed or, or a new family moves into the area. We had some asylum seeking families move into the area uh, and they didn't have anything. And so the groups would band together and make sure that they got, you know, bedding and, and furniture and food and would help them get started in the area. So that's an excellent resource. I also run a tool library out of my house. And I'll just throw out the word tool library there because essentially huh. what, what we do is we borrow tools from each other. We lend tools to each other to avoid everybody owning the same hammer that they keep in the drawer and they use one time a year, right? You know, not everybody in the neighborhood needs to own a circular saw if you're only going to use it three months out of the year. So uh, one of the big tools that we share around is a post hole digger. How many times are you po digging a hole in your yard that you need to own a post hole digger? So we own the post hole digger and it gets moved around whenever people need it, right? Um, and that then puts less resource uh, needs on those tools having to be made and less resource on the people that need to spend money on them. Keeps money in the community, keeps circular economies going around. Uh, we also have a little free library that we run where it's books just sitting on our porch in a nice sheltered uh, case and people can come up and just take a book, leave a book, whatever they want to have. So there's a lot of organizations out there or movements out there that are solar punk adjacent, you know, solar punk aligned without even knowing that they're solar punks. And I would say other than that, just find other like-minded people in your area because they're there and they may not know the word solar punk. And if you tell them the word solar punk, it's almost like a virus, right? It spreads. People search and they find it and they go, well, you know, I, I already do a lot of this. Maybe I am a solar punk and you guys are all nodding your heads. So I know that you're all thinking the <laughs> yeah, same thing right I, now. I, I, I mean, Joe, you're, you're like hitting on so many of these notes in my current life, right? We've got a big free, we call it free cycle, yep. right? In, in our group. And we've got a big one of those going on and we do many of those same things you're just talking about. And the tool sharing, both where I grew up and, and here where I live now, like the clutch, like you, you don't want to go buy this piece of equipment. Like I'm a big believer in the, yeah. the shared. How many um, times do you need a three inch hole um, saw? I mean, really? 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like not frequently, not frequently, you know? And, um, so we're at another day in time, we got to go deeper because I've got some thoughts on like how to make that shared resource economy and for, and free cycling. Like, but the library concept, even more, like, I want to talk with you more about that. Absolutely. But that's for another day today. I'm going to hand you over to Leaky because I think he's got some follow-up questions on that Android and the capitalism side of things. Well, yeah, actually, this is a question um, I could ask the owner of the Andrewism channel, but I think you can answer as well, because you mentioned buy nothing. Uh, you mentioned, you know, tool library. One of the questions I'm, I'm asking myself is, is it being a cyberpunk and an anti-capitalist? You know, do I have to be anti-capitalist, reject capitalism if I'm a cyberpunk? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go out of limb and say, absolutely. A hundred percent. You have to, um, now that doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge the fact that you live in a capitalist society, right? You cannot individually get away from capitalism anywhere in the world right now, period, full stop, but you can start to chip away at it, right? You can start to chip away at it by buying less, by sharing more, right? by valuing different things than what capitalism values, right? By setting up the next generation and the generation after that to be more of that mindset. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a phrase and this phrase is used, uh, both negatively and positively. It's that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. And a lot of people will view this as a way to say, well, I give up then. If, I, if, I, if I'm stuck in capitalism, why bother? I'm just going to go ahead and buy that new car this year, and I'm going to take that trip and, and whatnot. But what no ethical consumption under capitalism really means is that there are choices you're not going to be able to make, and you have to not beat yourself up over those. You have choices you can make do the best that you can to make the better choice. You're not going to be able to make perfect choices, but make the better choice. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Do what you can with what you've got. Um, especially if you have extra privileges, if you're not hindered by, you know, being a person of color, right? If you're not hindered by being female, if you're not hindered by being uh, an immigrant, if you're not hindered by being poor, or a combination of all those things, right? The intersectionality of it all. You know, as I said earlier on, as a white man in America, living in the suburbs, I wasn't hindered by any of those things. And so I have to then spend extra time making better choices or else I would feel absolutely terrible about, you know, my life. Um, so don't look down on other people who can't make the same choices as you. Um, it is cheaper to feed yourself with uh, unhealthy food in America than it is to feed yourself with healthy food. It is cheaper to buy the fast food than it is to drive a little bit extra distance to go to the farmer's market. It's cheaper to have the car um, when you look at total transit time to get to work than it is to ride a bike or, or ride public transit. Um, and those are all decisions and trade-offs that you have to make. But the mindset needs to be anti-capitalist. The mindset needs to be sharing more. It needs to be tearing down systems of oppression that affect people that are um, not as well off as you are. And you, 
have to, I think, to be a solar punk, you absolutely have to listen to other people who have different opinions and incorporate their ideas into your mindset as well. Um, a bit of a divergence there. There is a parallel um, literary genre or, or art movement called Afrofuturism, which is, mm -hmm. it, it's not an umbrella, it's not under solar punk, but they overlap a lot. Um, and in aesthetic, they overlap a lot. And so I wanted to mention that specifically because it's, it's important that I identify uh, that there are other perspectives out there other than mine. I'm not the end, end person to tell you what solar punk is. I can tell you what solar punk is for me. So make sure you expand your horizons beyond your normal bubble. Get, get outside of that. And unfortunately, we're all caught in this capitalism bubble. It's really, really hard to look outside of it and imagine a better way. My, my gut response is to yell, preach it. <laughs> as a preacher. That counts a lot as a preacher saying that. One more book I wanted to make sure to mention today was Donut Economics. Uh, oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, uh, Leaky, you've got it on your shelf. Within read. Within read. Oh, my goodness. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And I hit. I also have it in uh -huh. French. Nice. Right. <laughs> Donut economics is a new way to look at the economic systems of the world, a new way to measure things that's more than just GDP. Capitalism is all about which country has produced the most. I'm the runner. Ah, number one. Hooray. Um, but if you only measure yourself by GDP and you don't take into account things like literacy, child mortality, uh, access to... Um, public transit, clean air, natural resources. It's, you know, fair judgment under the law, um, uh, uh, equal rights regardless of gender. Um, you know, uh, solar punk is, I think also, uh, you know, inherently supports the non-binary of gender that is out there. We support LGBTQIA plus, et cetera. Um, and so, Donut economics is a way of measuring more than just the one thing and is also inherently anti-capitalist. And I think also solar punk, even though I doubt the author actually has heard those terms, but at least has turned, heard of solar punk. <laughs> she said that, you know, she, she actually, she wrote this book and she got interested in writing this book and working on the donut economics because um, when she was learning um, economics at, university, she realized that she doesn't want to think about growth. And I mean, the growth doesn't reflect what is important in life. So that's why she started working on this topic. Yeah. And to measure growth with the assumption that resources are infinite and growth can happen forever yes. when you're living in a finite mm. planet with finite resources is just insane, right? So we've been living in an insane society, economically at least. So if you're going to try to save the future of human life on the planet, because let's be frank, the planet will keep going on whether we're here or not. Yeah. If you're going to save the future of human life on the planet, you have to be anti-capitalist. You have to turn towards systems that are regenerative, cyclical, and sustainable. I did a, um, a series. Mm -hmm. I am a pastor. I did a series at church one year called um, Holy Currencies, and we talked about all of the currencies and the last one was money. 
So we talked about the currency of friendship, and we talked about the currency of leadership, and we talked about all these different currencies that are just an exchange of energy and had different speakers in. And it was, so it sounds similar. I'm going to get that book and, and take, a, take a read. Um, my question for you is, because uh, you're singing my song here, I just, we could talk forever, I think. But um, my question is, what's your invitation? What, do you, what is your invitation to our listeners, to us, to the world, <laughs> um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're inviting people into this? Choose kindness. Uh, pick something that you can do today that will make somebody else's life better. Um, pick something that you can achieve and accomplish to produce less waste, to leave a better world for the next people, right? Uh, the, the, uh, to go back to more, more phrases and, and, and catchphrases and whatnot. Uh, the person that plants the tree rarely enjoys the shade, right? So plant some trees today, right? The, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. And, and that's not just metaphorical. Go out and plant a tree. Um, uh, there's all this discussion about carbon capture technology uh, and people building these massive machines to consume a lot of energy to try to bring carbon out of the, out of the atmosphere. Um, trees do that. Trees pull carbon out of the atmosphere. The, the mass of a tree is made out of the atmosphere. It's not, it doesn't come from the soil. It doesn't come from the water. It comes from the atmosphere. So if you plant trees, you will literally be sequestering carbon. Um, and that brings us back to, I think, your book, right? <laughs> the Carbon Almanac. I think they would tell you. I, I have a copy of it now. I haven't read it yet. But I think the book would tell you to go out and plant trees. So, yeah, I think that's my, my invitation is to choose kindness, choose uh, sustainability, make better choices when you can, and don't beat yourself up when you can. Thank you. That's so well said, Joe. I think, I think the um, choo choosing kindness and taking care of people, and, and I want to stick with that, like, both metaphor and literal example for a second are doing something that's like making the world better both in the future right and again whether it's a, it's a metaphorical version of plant the tree or literally um but also the joy of doing it yourself which probably leads to you enjoying that joy and probably doing more of those things right and then the, now the third layer is, and someone probably hears you talk about it or sees you do it, and then it probably influences them, right? And you get that sort of like, you're just one ripple stone in the water, but then the cascading movement starts to you know, snowball, as it were, into other people. So I'm really excited to go. I, I feel like I want like a solar punk stamp so I can go around and when I'm talking to people and we have a similar conversation, I could just like pull out their arm, like stamp them with, you know, not tattoo permanently, but like, just be like, you're a solar punk and like, and just have them be like, what I am and be like, yes, you are. Just go look it up. You'll tell me you'll confirm later. Right. So like, I, I feel like I'm going to, or I'm just going to start writing on people's arm. You're a solar punk after we have a conversation and they tell me that they, they basically, right. Good consent. Um, so I weren't, but I want to talk about the tree thing for a second. There was this tidbit of, of this little thing I just read. And I grew up raising cattle 
and trees. I grew up on a big timber farm slash cattle ranch. And somewhat, there was this little article, I think it might have been in Popular Mechanics that talked about like this plant and you can plant a plant in just water and it grows and it, it boiled down to how much of that plant, like the structure, the thing we see, it all came out of the air. None of it came from the water, right? Like there's such a fractional amount of nutrients and things like are coming from the water. The water is part of the process, right? It's like the, it's moving through the system. The physicality of the plant, right? All came from the air, principally. Yep. Speaking. Yep. Like only so a tiny amount comes from the soil. And in fact, most plants are essentially putting back into the soil and building up carbon sequestration. And that's something that I think like we don't think about always. And it just, it, you, the way you said, like, go plant a tree and carbon sequestration, like, really is in our power to go do a lot of that stuff. And I think that's also just like wonderful to now use that and take it back to a metaphor from the top of our conversation, right? That little laundry sheet versus the big old jug of laundry detergent, there's a whole different level of like, not carbon capture, it's like carbon non-create, carbon yeah. dioxide non-create and captured in just that little thing. And it, every time you're using one of those little tabs versus a big jug, you're moving the needle every single time. It's like, and, there, and then I tie this back to the dollar saved is a dollar, a penny saved is, what, what's the phrase? Penny saved is a penny earned. Yeah. Yeah. A penny saved is a penny earned or a dollar saved is a dollar earned. Better to not go like create the carbon dioxide, then have it be in the ecosystem and then need to sequester it later. Because it does take a while for that plant. Yes. Right. So anyway, I just want to wrap a couple of those things together that to me and my brain are feeling so connected. Yeah, I think there's, you know, the, the common phrase that people hear, re reduce, reuse, recycle. A lot of people just hear recycle. The last of the three. Reduce is more important. It's reduce comes first, right? If you consume less... You have less that you need to recycle. Uh, there's, there's a guy that I uh, am friends with uh, on the internet, and he regularly posts about how little waste he's got. He measures it in by how many weeks it has taken for him to take the trash can to the curb. Wait, is this Joshua's photo? Weeks. Uh, no. No. It's, it's, oh, okay. No. Just a, a person that I know. And he, he and his wife, uh, for various reasons, have reduced their consumption. Part of it is because they lost jobs and so they had to make do with less. And so they would go out and they would buy, instead of buying, you know, uh, frozen meals, they would go and buy a whole chicken, right? And then they would use that chicken as much as they possibly could. They would, you know, use the meat, they would then make broth, et cetera. And by making choices where they were um, consuming less packaging, they ended up having less waste in their trash can. And also, by the way, you're paying for that packaging. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're not going to use it for something, then it's just something that you've wasted. Uh, whether or not you you think you are, you've 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 paid for that packaging. Um, but then, specifically about the laundry detergent as well, think about how heavy a bottle of laundry detergent is, and how heavy one of those laundry sheets is, or even the envelope of laundry sheets is, and how much fuel was expended to ship it to the store. And to get it to your house, right? You're all, you're saving in so many ways by switching to those laundry sheets. It's 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 ridiculous. Wow. 
Well, Benji, you have a question. Um, yeah, I do. More, more like a comment. And thank you so much, Joe. This has been a, an insightful session. And my comment was more like, so over a number of episodes, we've had a chat about systemic change and personal change, um, but mostly in favor of systemic change. It's like, well, that gets us there faster. Um, but hearing all the beautiful things that you said about solar punk is like, well, there might actually be a system to personal change as well, right? This sort of brings the system idea to bear in in a way. And I think that that's beautiful. Um, do you have any final words, anything you might want to say? I know you've said a lot of really good points um, and I can probably pick like 10 final words from all the answers that you've given. Uh, you know, like reuse, re reduce, reuse, and recycle. You know, it's, it's a lot of beautiful things you've said. Um, but for the fun of it, do you have any final words you'd like to to leave the audience with? Oh, man. Um, well, I will also say thank you for having me on. Uh, this has been an absolutely good journey. I, I, uh, I'm always learning myself. And I think that's part of what, you need to do is go out and find your path to a better future. And if it helps to read some books to give you inspiration for what the world can be like, do that. There are solar punk books that are out there. Um, check out uh, authors like Ursula K. Le Guin, um, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Collenbach had Ecotopia that was written back in 1970 something which while some of the book itself is dated, a lot of the ideas are not. Um, look at uh, Ministry for the Future, uh, which uh, is, a, is a good book. The, the author's name is escaping me right now because I'm bad at names, so I apologize for that. Um, there are a lot of good books out there that are already starting to present a solar punk future. Some of them even have solar punk in the title, but some of them were written before solar punk was even conceptualized. So if you search for the internet, you say solar punk books, you'll get a nice list. Um, start there. Start by imagining things that are better. Uh, and, and then go and pick that one thing and spread kindness. Yeah, I think, I think um, that's the best way to end this episode. Spread kindness. It's, it's been an absolute delight having this chat with you. And I can't wait to do it again. And I think I speak for everyone, right? Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> Want to have more solo punk chats with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. Yeah, make sure you get Lindsay Jane on here at some point. You know, or reach out to Andrewism, uh, St. Andrewism, and see if you can get them on too. And I'm happy to come back anytime you guys want. Absolutely, we will. Thank you so Wonderful. much. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, 
To join the movement and to order your copy of The Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.